0: sharing success stories and motivating others join me on this journey as we tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary hey there podcasters are you looking to take your show to the next level let me introduce you to podtask the innovative platform that simplifies the podcasting process and equips you with the tools you need to succeed with Podtask, you can say goodbye to the headache of managing multiple tasks and deadlines. This app provides a comprehensive systemization and task management platform that helps you streamline the podcasting process. And it doesn't just stop there. Podtask also offers AI based marketing tools to give your podcast a competitive edge. As a fellow podcaster, I know from experience how important it is to have a reliable and efficient tool like Podtask to keep you on track. It helped me save so much time in post-production, which allows me to focus on what really matters, creating great content for my listeners. So if you want to take your podcast to the next level, be sure to check out PodTask. As a special offer to my listeners, you can sign up today and get started with their free forever plan by visiting creativevisionariespodcast.com forward slash podtask. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us again on the Creative Visionaries podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to our guest, Amin Ahmed. Amin is the podcast host for Be Well, Do Well and is the co-founder of Remarkable Branding. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Tori.
0: So tell me a little bit more about you and how you got into this role at Remarkable Branding and what led to you starting your podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of things that have happened that got me to this place, but I'll give you a very short Coles Notes version of this. Uh, And it really began with my education. I started my career uh, and I was trained in electrical engineering. And so I graduated from university and I thought I really wanted to work in the technical industry. And I was so excited to work for a company like Nokia or Motorola, designing cell phones and Bluetooth chips. Yeah, And what happened is that during the time that I was in school, that industry was booming. And right when I graduated, that industry crashed, especially <laughs> where we are. And so I was like, okay, I'll need to make a, a switch here. And I started to work as a field engineer, meaning out in the, you know, in the field, in the oil fields. And I was working in Fort McMurray, which is in Northern Canada. Okay. And the road that goes between um, our city, Edmonton and Northern Canada, uh, Fort McMurray is very dangerous. And um, it's a highway that's known for lots of accidents and, you know, people dying on that highway. Wow. And I ended up getting into one accident on the way there, actually on the way back where a deer jumped out on the road. And the driver, my friend, Mike, who was driving, he kind of, you know, lost, lost control of the truck that we were in, the SUV that we we're in. And we ended up rolling uh, about five times in the, into a farmer's field. Landed mm-hmm. upright and everything was okay, and and that was the point at which I realized I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't really be doing this. And you know, backing up one step, Fort McMurray was also known to pay a lot of money, so it was called Fort McMurray is the real name, but we refer to it as Fort McMoney. And so you had janitors making multiple six figures. So imagine what an engineer and, and other you know professionals would be making. Yeah. And I realized at that point I was like, this isn't for me. Like I, I want to live a little longer. I hadn't been married at that point, no kids or anything like that. Fast forward about 10 years and my education allowed me to learn how to think. And I thought that was really great because it didn't didn't really matter which industry I was in or what role I was in, I learned how to learn. And so if you've got that skill, you can really take on anything. And I decided, well, let's jump into marketing because if I can learn how to market, I could really be successful in any sort of niche. And uh, during COVID, I ended up meeting my uh, now business partner through a mutual connection. And we ended up actually combining our two companies so hers was more focused on design and branding and mine was more focused on tech and marketing nice. and so we combined uh, created remarkable branding and we actually hadn't met in person for about uh, eight months because of covid yeah. and we combined the companies incorporated did all that and then we finally met in person like eight months later so that was really fun uh, and then at the same time i also love talking about health and wellness and started a podcast called be well do well where i help other entrepreneurs learn about the journey and how to flourish rather than burning out.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, and that's so important, especially, you know, in this entrepreneurial space, um, you know, wellness is usually the last on our list. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> we're in hustle mode, and we're just trying mm-hmm. to make things happen. We're trying to grow and trying to succeed. And, you know, we don't stop to kind of uh, take a step back and look at at us, right, the purpose of, you know, who we are and the wellness that uh, we need in order to, you know, thrive in our business and thrive in our personal life. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how you how you help with that wellness or or topics that you talk about um, for those entrepreneurs.
1: One of the concepts that we really live by is no hurry, no pause. And I have two young kids, they're 10 and eight, and they know that no hurry, no pause is a is a law in our house. So when it comes to getting ready for school, going to bed, if they start to rush, they'll, they'll look at me with this little panic look on their face, or are like, oh, we're rushing, we shouldn't be doing this. And I tell them, you can move fast without hurrying. Yeah. And I mean, I can talk about this for, for hours. The, the main thing it comes down to is that when we rush and we hurry, we're actually coming from a place of lack, and a Place of fear that you're not going to accomplish what you're trying to do, and what ends up happening is that when you're in that panic mode, your body really shuts down, your cognitive ability shuts down, and then you're just you know, like you're just a biological machine doing something, but often you're not really thinking about it, it's not mindful, it's not present. And so, when you take a moment, slow down, collect your thoughts plan what you're going to do and then execute without rushing. First, you get more done in less time, which everybody yeah. wants to do, but you actually feel good along the way rather than getting to the end and realizing you're like, oh, I just did the wrong thing or it didn't even need to be done at all. And so that's something that, you know, one of the elements that we focus on is no hurry, no pause. It's like, take it easy, take your time, but do it well at the same time
0: yeah one of the things that i'm i'm sure you talk about is distractions too Mm -hmm. right there's so many distractions in a day-to-day life in, in a business owner or entrepreneur's life that, you know, when you really pull back the distractions and take those out of your day, there's so much more that you can accomplish, accomplish in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting when you have that focus and you have, you know, you don't rush and you don't let, you know, this hurry mentality take over how much you can really accomplish.
1: Yeah. And I don't think you could ever really remove distractions. You just have to manage them. And you know, if I may, one of the tools that we use is called Sansama. And this is something new that we've discovered recently. And um, I use it. Everybody in our company uses this. And essentially, it combines your to-do list with your email and your calendar. And it integrates everything beautifully. And what that does is it allows me that if a distraction comes in or something you know important but not urgent comes in, Rather than acting on it right away, I just hit my keyboard, you know, there's a control shift A, which will open up Sansama's add a new task, type it in, hit enter, and then it's gone. So that way it's stored in, you know, what I refer to as my second brain. It's stored there. When I want to, I'll go back to it and it'll be there waiting for me, but I don't need to action it now. And I think that's the, for us, that's the, for me specifically, that's one thing I've found is that distractions will never go away. I just need a, a bucket to drop it into when it does happen.
0: Yeah. What about, so you mentioned that as a tool, what are some other tools that you use yourself personally for wellness or focus or any of those things for your business? What do you, what do you use or recommend?
1: So I think one of the best wellness tools is your calendar. And it's, you know, it's not a, you know, a a sexy mindful thing. It's, it's just your calendar. And if you don't calendarize something, then you're really reacting and so that's one thing I always tell people is that, you know, if you show me what your calendar looks like, I can tell you what your mind looks like. <laughs> and so if there's all these open gaps well, you're allowing for distraction. you're, you're creating a void a vacuum for distraction. Mm. The, the other thing is Slack. We use Slack for all yeah. our communication. And often what happens is that one of our team members will take a little bit of time off and we never ask them to tell us when they're leaving and coming as long as it's you know, not weeks or something like that. Yeah. But if a client asks for something and they're addressing you know, one of our team members and they're not around, well, we can respond to that. And so communication centralized like that has been a game changer for us.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, especially in this virtual space, right, where we're not all in the same office, the communication lines, you've got to be You have to over communicate and you have to have multiple ways of communicating so it's like this kind of juggling you know figuring out what works best for each of your team members, how do you. communicate well because there's different communication styles and so it's like it's always a learning experience and tools like like slack have really streamlined that process, and so I love. I love learning like little tools and things that you know other people use to to better you know use their time and streamline what they do in their business.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if there's one more thing is video. We use video a lot. And so if somebody asks a question and we would have to type it in manually, a yeah. video can explain something in 30 seconds that would take a page to explain with screenshots. <laughs> and, you know, so video has really come to our rescue many, many times.
0: Yeah. Us and, and my team, we use Voxer a lot because you can talk and explain like, Hey, on this project, let's do this. Da, da, da. And so that really helps um, get get a message across in a quicker way instead of like you said typing or trying to explain it and then it's like wait what does that mean and you're like no let's (laughs) so it helps to to streamline the communication and understanding for sure when you're a virtual team Oh yeah. Well, cool. So, and then, um, so I know for you, you are in the branding and marketing space, and you, you're specifically in health, fitness, and wellness, right? So, talk about some of the um, branding techniques that you've seen in that industry that have been really successful over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I'll clarify what branding means to us, brand versus yeah. branding means to us, and then great. I'll I'll answer yeah, your question call, there. for sure. So when we think about brand, often clients will ask us, like, how does my brand look? In fact, I had somebody ask me this morning, they're like, you know, what do you think of my brand? And then when I explained what I thought, it was a very different answer to what she was expecting, because her idea of brand was not what I was answering. And so I tell my clients that your brand is actually the promise you're making. So you can actually replace the word brand with promise, and they're interchangeable in that sense. So if we had a recently we had a uh, acupuncturist uh, work with us. And she kept saying, well, you know, my branding looks great, but what she was referring to was her logo, her colors, all of that. And that's just an element of your brand. But the promise is that I'm going to make you feel better and you're going to have more energy. And that's what an acupuncturist would do. And then branding is actually the tactics that you use to express your promise to the world. And so social media marketing, uh, you know, print advertising, going on podcasts, those are all elements of branding and That's the distinction I like to make between your brand is everything that represents you and your promise and then branding is the tactics that you use.
0: I think it's interesting and I'm glad that you kind of broke that down because you're right, there's so many facets of branding. And I think a lot of times people will put it all into one bucket. Mm -hmm. And really it's like we almost need different terms for the types of branding that there is because there's exactly like, the messaging, there's the visual, there's the promise, there's the mission, there's the tactics, there's a communication, and then there's so many different ways of explaining what that is. And so I love, I love that you, you mentioned that because even, you know, I, I meet people who say, oh, I'm a a branding specialist. I'm like, okay, well, what does that exactly mean to you? Because what that means to me could mean something different to you. And so I like that, you know, we have so many variations of utilizing that term and applying it to other people's business, but you got to be clear and clarify exactly what you mean when when using that term so I'm Absolutely. I'm glad that you mentioned that for sure.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you a quick little story here about how uh, I taught my son he's 10 years old about branding. and. We were out and about and I was just not having a great day that day. I had some issues with, with stuff that was going on. And I was like, you know what? Let's just go to Starbucks. I had a gift card in my pocket and I took my son and I said, you know, he, he's very entrepreneurial. So he likes to learn these things from me. And so I said, let's go into the Starbucks. He'd never been before. And I said, just experience it. I said, I'm not going to tell you what, just go and see what happens and see how you feel about it. And we often go to Tim Hortons and I don't think in the United States, they have very many Tim Hortons. It's kind of like Dunkin' Donuts. in that Yeah. Okay. Um, so very different vibe. And we walk into the Starbucks and right away, the person at the counter was like, you know, Hey guys, we'll, we'll be with you in a minute. And so he's looking at me. He's like, are they talking to us? And I said, yeah, yeah, they're, they're letting us know that they see us, but they're not ready for us yet. And then, so we went to the, to the counter and there were some desserts there and he was looking and he asked me, which I would, uh, which I would choose. And I said, you know, I haven't had either of them. So why don't you ask her? And so the, uh, the, the, the helper, I don't know, the staff, she comes around to the counter and she's like, okay, what would you like? And and I kind of look at him and he asks her, he's like, which would you prefer? Would you prefer this cake pop, like a chocolate cake pop or a, a birthday cake cake pop? Yeah. Kind of and she takes off her headphones because she was wearing those headsets and she leans over and she asks him a whole bunch of questions, almost like in like a like an interview or like a strategy session. <laughs> and she says, Well, based on what you said, I think you would like this one here. And he's like, wow, okay. And then we make our order. I got my drink. I paid with my uh, gift card on my phone, which had my name on it. Yeah. And then when it was ready, they call your name and they say, you know, a coffee for a in. And he's looking, he's like, how do they know your name? And when we left, I explained to him, I was like, that is amazing branding. Like, yeah. how did you feel leaving that place? He's like, and on top of all of this, she even gave him a free uh, sample of one of the other desserts. And he's like, why did they give it for free? It costs money. But I said, that's great branding. You paid seven, we paid $9 for a coffee. Whereas that, mm-hmm. you know, Tim Horton slash Dunkin' Donuts would be like 99 cents. <laughs> and I said, that's the difference between amazing world-class branding and just yep. a coffee. So yep,
0: the experience in yeah. itself is, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> As a podcaster, you know that creating great content is only half the battle. That's where Remarker comes in. Remarker is a podcast branding, production, and marketing solution. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, Remarker will help you grow your show and build your authority. So why wait? Head to creativevisionariespodcast.com/remarker, that's r e m a r k r, where you can book a demo and discover how Remarker's full-service approach can benefit you and your podcast. Well, there's uh a couple other things that I know that you talk about that I wanted to pick your brain on and that would be uh mentorships and masterminds. Mm-hmm. So you pick which one you want to go with first and, and let's let's take a little journey through that conversation.
1: Yeah, let's start with masterminds.
0: Okay. So Tell me about um, mastermind groups, the power of masterminds, and why do you feel that it's so beneficial for entrepreneurs to participate in the mastermind space?
1: Masterminds are one of the things that I've been passionate about before the term mastermind became, you know, commonplace. And uh, it really began from Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And he talks about a mastermind being a combination or a partnership between two or more people. And it forms this magical, invisible third. And so the thoughts that you have, the ideas that you have, the ideas that somebody else has, when you come together, it's not just one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 11. And the idea of being part of a mastermind, especially now where you and I are doing this call virtually over Zoom, we're not in person. And all of our team members are virtual. We don't have anybody that works in the office because that's in our house so you know nobody's coming home to, to work <laughs> daily it's really important because it gives us that connection with other human beings but most importantly is that if you're in a mastermind group i always i always tell kids that our kids or others that you should be the dumbest person in the room mm. and when you join a mastermind if you're the smartest person and everybody's leaning on you you're in the wrong mastermind because there's no learning there at all yeah and that's super important because you can provide insights as the you know quote unquote dumbest person in the room because you are probably an expert at something that others are not. Right. And as an example, we have a mastermind call tomorrow with our group, and last week we talked about some some things, and I shared a little bit of information about how we use Slack, and they were blown away, and they said, "Hey, could you do a presentation for us next Wednesday?" Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest of the group is you know they're high net worth individuals in from the real estate space or from the online uh, business space, and. You know, I may not know much about real estate as as they do, but I know a lot about Slack and how to operate an agency. And so that's where masterminds can really bring people together that can tap into knowledge that would not be shared within a real estate only group or a software only group.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, bringing together people from different industries, different walks of life really enhances uh, the growth and the what you're going to get out of a a mastermind or group setting because you're all bringing in different perspectives and you're bringing in different ideas and you're contributing and helping each other and if you're an active listener and willing to share and contribute and ask questions then the experience that you have is going to be phenomenal and it's going to be even greater for those who are who are joining you in that group because you all rise together right you learn Mm -hmm. together you help each other you you know just continue to to succeed. And it's just, I totally I'm a a huge mastermind fan. And, you know, I myself am um, getting ready to launch a mastermind for podcast hosts. And so it's going to be a quarterly mastermind. And, you know, it's like putting the framework together for it and building this group of people is like, it feels like a huge responsibility, right? Because you want to get the right people in the right room together and making sure that you have, you know, people who are going to contribute and share and do all this stuff so that you can elevate each other. Um, but having that dynamic is like, it gets me so excited because there's so much value in it. And so I love, I love that you're, you know, in that mastermind space as well. And, um, yeah. So tell me about any other masterminds that you've been a part of that have been hugely influential in your life.
1: There's been many that have not been influential and (laughs) I decided to leave because it just wasn't a good fit for me. Sometimes it was a personality thing where somebody was in it just to make money and that's all they wanted to do in the group. Uh, But the others that I have been that have been really influential, the the main element or the the core ingredient was that I learned something that I would consider an aha moment. It, It changed the way I thought about things. And when you can learn that one thing, I mean, I think your, your role of being in the mastermind has been fulfilled, right? Your, your purpose for being in the mastermind. And so the more of those aha moments you can get, the better it is for everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, and, um, so we want to talk a little bit about mentorships and I think mentorship is kind of in line with a mastermind because Mm -hmm. naturally as you build a group, there's different dynamics that are going to come out of that. And some people may, fill a mentor role, right? Towards someone who maybe is quote unquote, not the smartest one in the room or who's least experienced or, you know, hasn't uh, experienced a certain um, level in their business. And so talk about mentorships and how that's important to you and and what your experience is for uh, mentorships with entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, I've been a mentor and I've also been mentored. And again, same thing. I've had terrible mentors and I've had amazing mentors. The thing that I feel is really um, crucial is is when there's a level of respect there between the mentor and the mentee. Because I see the way, you know, I, when I have a good mentor and I have a really great mentor now, I find that they have this expectation of me that I sometimes feel like is too high. But when I either rub up against that expectation or, or exceed the expectation, both of us succeed because then he feels like he or she would feel like they've accomplished their goal of helping you. And on, on the flip side is that, I don't want a mentor to just feel like they're sitting there saying the same thing over and over again to all of their mentees. And so I try to be the best mentee I can as well.
0: Yeah. I think that's important. What you, what you bring to the table is going to um, determine what your outcome is. And so if you're, receptive to a mentor who is guiding you or pushing you um to be better than what you think you can be then you're going to rise to that you know uh, level and so being receptive and open and taking constructive criticism I think is is something that you know people have to be open to in that role um and I think mentorship is something almost like a lost um what's the word, you know, like, uh, you know, something that you don't see very often anymore. And I think it's such an important role that we need to have not only in the entrepreneurial space, but like with children as well, like having mentors for young children and giving them guidance and showing them direction and, you know, being there to push them and listen, guide them. And so, you know, I think in all walks of life, uh, mentorship is, you know, hugely important for, for everyone to to either have a mentor, be a mentor, or be mentored. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and and there's different kinds of mentors as well. Uh, if you're thinking about losing weight, for example, or fitness goals, that mentor is going to be prescriptive. They're going to say, "Get on the treadmill, do this many push-ups, do this many uh, squats," and that's very that's really helpful in that in that role. But from a business role, I think the mentors that are really successful are the ones that pull out of you what you already know what to do, how to do, why to do. And I find that those are the mentors that I really enjoy working with on a business side is the ones that aren't necessarily telling me what to do, more pulling out from me what I already know and then augmenting that. So yes, you should do more email marketing, but have you considered X, Y, Z?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. so so tell me, I think there's some overlap where some people um, will either interchange the word mentor with coach. So, what's your thoughts on the difference between a mentor and a and a having a coach? Uh,
1: that's a great question. The way I see mentor versus coach, I think coach is is definitely more hands on, and a mentor is has more invested in it. That's the way I see it. I think I, when I think of a coach, I think of like a high school coach that's just you know throwing the basketball, you throw it in the hoop, and then you move on kind of thing, and they're just they're just there to facilitate your growth whereas i think a mentor is almost like somebody that's holding your hand so that when you fall he's there to pick you up he or she is there to pick you up yeah. uh, and there's a very fine line between those two and i think also you have to make sure that there's a boundary as well that you're not expecting the mentor to do certain things for you and and an example of that would be for example if if you have a mentor that's really well connected are you expecting them to make connections to all of their you know high level friends and then you just take advantage of that, or are you going to yeah. do the work to get there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think it's it's hugely important not to take advantage of what somebody is giving you in a mentor coaching role, because, you yeah. know, then it's, <laughs> it's not beneficial for either parties. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. that's where, you know, a mentor gets something out of being a mentor and somebody right. who's mentored obviously is growing from that relationship. So hugely important to... You know have your perspectives in line
1: mm-hmm. absolutely
0: <laughs> well i know for you you're a very purpose and passion driven person so talk to me about how you're living in your in your passion or living in your purpose
1: passion and purpose yeah those are two really big things i think about every day on our website, um, on our podcast website, we have a daily planner, and it's free. You can download it. it. It starts out with your passion and what you want your life to be like in six months. And so, when I think about every day, I get up and I start my planner and I write down my life in six months is going to be this, and I kind of write it out in terms of how I feel. Yeah. That to me really drives me because it moves me forward towards something. It's almost like something somebody like pulling a rope and pulling you in, and you know, when it comes to passion and purpose, they're very similar. You can really think of them as, as one and the same, but your passion is something that you're really good at. You can do it well. And I think it's really important. And most entrepreneurs will probably agree, but not say out loud is you need to make a lot of money doing it as well, <laughs> because if you're not making a lot of money, you're, you're stressed, you're, you're not, you know, yeah. thinking straight and all that. And so when you're making a lot of money, it's really easy to be passionate about anything that you're doing, but purpose is is very unique in the sense that there has to be something bigger than yourself outside of yourself so passion is more internal drive that fire within you and purpose is you know the flame outside of you that's the way i see it
0: yeah and and i think it's important to live on purpose right and be passionate about what you're doing because you know otherwise we're just going through the motions right what are what the skills that we have if we're not utilizing them for helping other people And only to benefit ourselves. For me, it doesn't, it's not rewarding to just benefit, benefit, benefit. You know, I'm the servants type person, you know, I want to help people grow and utilize my skills to help other people. And so really being focused on, you know, what my passions are, what my skill sets are and And being purposeful with how I use that to help others, um, I think, is is something that, you know, I really reflect on and I think about often, especially when I'm, you know, working with new clients or meeting new people, like, how can I serve them? How can I help them? Is this going to be a a good fit? Because you want it to be, you know, something that's going to benefit both parties.
1: Yeah. And our parents' generation, or maybe even, you know, somebody a little bit older than us, they we're trained to become workers in a certain thing. So whether you're an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor, and I've met so many Like in our family, we have a lot of doctors and I've met so many of them and they're super passionate about what they do, but they often, not all, but some of them feel very empty because yeah. there's that external purpose isn't there because they're so busy doing the work. And in fact, I heard uh, one of these doctors say something like, um, you know, I'm, I'm just a, they were a dentist and they said, I'm just a mouth mechanic. Right And yes, they're making a lot of money. Yes, they're extremely good at what they do. And they're passionate about, you know, the art and the craft of dentistry. But there wasn't that feeling of, you know, I'm making a big difference. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and I think it's interesting, because if you, if you live in your purpose, and you follow your passion, I think that wellness is going Mm -hmm. to be an overarching thing that just comes naturally, right? Outside of distractions and, and mm-hmm. you know struggles and that sort of thing, I think if you really are in tune with that and you're living in your purpose, that you'll have that healthy well-being that will kind of you know bring everything together because you're doing things that you're passionate about, you're helping other people, you're taking care of yourself, and you're really living in your passion. So I think it kind of brings it all full circle when you think of it in that perspective.
1: Right. And, and a simple little hack is just changing the word I have to to I get to. Right, Really easy. I, you know, I have to take the kids to school or I have to, you know, wash the dishes. Well, I get to do that because you actually have warm water to wash the dishes with or you actually have kids and now there's, you know, a lot of people don't have kids and they want kids sure. badly. And so just changing it from I have to, to I get to, that flips entirely your model of thinking from being this, uh, you know, I'm a victim to, wow, my life is so great.
0: Yeah, another term is people say, I should, right? Like, I should be doing this, or I should be doing that. And so I think it's kind of, you know, one in the same where you have to reframe the words that you use, because whether you know it subconsciously or not, it's going to affect the way that you think or feel, because externally, you're hearing these things, and you're, you know, saying these things. So, you know, living, living through, you know, being mindful of how you speak and uh, what it it is that you get to do is, is important to to focus Mm -hmm. on for sure.
1: You know, and and just going back a little bit to the idea of a mastermind, we can't necessarily choose our family. And often we don't get to, you know, remove friends that easily and friends that are toxic, but you can choose to be part of a mastermind because you're usually paying for it. (laughs) And so (laughs) if there's people in there saying, I have to do this and I should do this, well, that's not a good mastermind to be in.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a red flag, right? (laughs) Definitely. Well, so I always like to kind of close things out with a quote. So do you have a favorite quote or any inspiring words that you want to leave the audience with?
1: One of the quotes I think that's really important to me in business goes something like, amateurs will automate for completion and professionals will automate for accuracy. Mm -hmm. And what that means is if you're using a tool to automate something in your life, most of the time, the amateurs will do it so that they get it done. Whereas the professionals will do it because it's done correctly every single time. And if it's not getting done correctly, there's something wrong with the automation. And so that's something in our business. Um, we recently launched a uh, podcast growth platform, and it's software that helps podcasters you know, uh, reach more audience, get more growth, get more influence. And we realized that if we had humans doing every element of it, it may get done correctly most of the time, but not all the time. Yeah. Whereas if we allow you know, the AI and the software to do it, we know it's gonna get done correctly because we've set those rules and then we get the humans involved. And so that's something that, you know, for those that are really uh, interested in AI right now and how ChatGPT and all those things are working, it's very efficient, but it may not be accurate. And so you just have to make sure that if you're going to be automating it, that it is actually correct based on what you asked it to do.
0: I love that. Well, I thank you so much for being a guest today and sharing so much knowledge and just your insight and I just love the 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 air about you. You're such a good person and and I, I think that truly comes across and I hope that, you know, people have enjoyed our conversation and um, you know, is there a certain place you want to send people that they can learn more about you?
1: Oh, thank you, Tori. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you having me and uh, if anybody wanted to connect with me or learn more, they can go to my website. It's fm. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast and take care. Thanks, Ernie. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review or share with a friend. Also, make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.